Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC this Monday morning. I'm your host, Sean Fry. My guest today, friend of the show, Parsons High School football coach, Jeff Scheibe. Always excited to have him on. Football season right around the corner. We'll get some thoughts on what Parsons might look like and how they're going about their process. One thing I wanted to mention to start, fall sports officially underway in Southeast Kansas and in the, in the state overall. Uh, the Labette Community College volleyball team traveled up to Nebraska, uh, played four matches uh, over the over the weekend. They played on Friday and Saturday. Give you some quick context before I tell you how they did. Labette coming off a one-win season in the spring. Their spring season, which was their technically their fall season, got moved by the NJCAA because of COVID. The year before that, so this would have been back in 2019, the fall of 2019, Labette only won two matches. Then they won one match this past spring. They're coming back from Nebraska with two wins, sitting at two and two. Deepest Labette has, first time Labette has ever been 500 this deep into the season since at least 2010. That's as far back as I could find records go. Labette volleyball looking good early. Both sports are upon us. And Jess Jivey, I know you're excited about that. The athletics are back. Summer's starting to wind down. I am. I am a disappointment in you, though. You I, uh, here, I thought, here it comes, I, right off the rip. I thought you were going to say we were bringing in our favorite guest. <laughs> However, I forgot that Rob Barkus is your favorite guest. So, <laughs> and friend of the show Haley Miller, the Labette Community College volleyball coach, is also a friend. Is is also up there too. You're you're mid tier uh, at best of, of mid, the mid tier top top ten. Be lucky to crack the top twelve. <laughs> Oh man, always always good to have you on the show. This is the second time we're going to have a sit down interview this week. We talked, we did our preseason uh, interview for uh, the football magazine that the Parson Sun puts out. It's going to be a great product, by the way. I'll show you what it looks like here when we're done with this show. Uh, give you a little sneak peek, but uh, obviously, uh, football season right around the corner. Uh, you just had a scrimmage on Saturday night. Uh, literally, as you were walking into the studio, your jamboree got moved. You're going to go to Humboldt now, where you'll see Burlington, Chanute, and obviously Humboldt. All three very good programs. Chanute might win the SEK League this year. Uh, Humboldt might win the Tri Valley this year. Uh, and well, Burlington. the Tri Valley doesn't name a champion, but uh, at Burlington, I'm, I can't remember which league they're in, but they're always a very competitive team. You're going to see what you look like against those squads. Uh, really, as you enter the early stages of year two. As we're still in this fall preseason camp, tell me about the state of the Parsons Vikings right now. Well, if you want, to, if we want to go back to last night, we had a, I mean, we had a solid scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, for a for a team that's had five practices so far, I I, I really liked, uh, you know, what we saw. Obviously, there is a ton of stuff we got to fix, but. I saw a significant improvement from where we were last year. Let's say blue gold after about 10 or 12 practices and where we were last night after about five practices. I actually think we were better last night after five practices than where we were last year after about 10 or 12. And I think um, a lot of that has to do with we, we, you know, we spent three days over in Pittsburgh at a Pittsburgh state team camp. We spent two days down in Altamont scrimmaging Labette County and Iola. Um, and this is all over the summer. This is all over the summer. We had our own team camp where we put, you know, we helmeted up. We uh, went to seven on sevens. Uh, you know, we did a couple other things throughout the summer with some O-line, D-line stuff. So our kids have had a ton, a ton of reps. I would say, you know, 500 offensive and defensive reps more than what we had at this point last year. So um, our kids have, uh, you know, put in the time this summer 
Mm-hmm. And I think it is, you know, starting to pay off a little bit. However, you know, with all that being said, we are starting to, you know, it's that time of year where we fight the, the dang injury bug. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have 55, 56 kids out for, for football. We've had a couple quit so far. Um, and last night at our scrimmage, we were able to suit up right at 40. And, you know, there was a couple kids. You've gone from 55 ver- to 40 in ver- one week? Well, various reasons. I had okay. a couple kids out of town. I had two or three kids not have enough practices in. I had two or three kids not have physicals. Okay. There's about seven or eight, you know, legit injuries. Okay. And, you know, I have another kid in quarantine already <laughs> who's a varsity player, probably one of our top special teams player. Um, but I've got three or four varsity starters mm-hmm. that are out right now. Um, hopefully they're back by week one. Um, but it's we're getting to that point where we got to, you know, start taking – Take, taking a little, try to take better care of our kids, um, and you know that's just it's just frustrating that we're already at that point where we're, where we're talking about three or four subs and and a you know a team that we're a three A football team we can't afford to lose any anymore. Mm-hmm. One one kid I want to shout out real quick, and uh, it's a uh, it is Jace Carrin. You talked about injuries. Uh, Jace Curran was the kicker for your team last year. He's he he loves kicking when it comes to football. He he takes it seriously. He and I think in our collective opinion, he can has has the capability to be a college level kicker, uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, uh, he sustained some injuries in an accident. Literally, I believe the night of after he secured a state golf tournament bid, he he finished in the top ten at regionals back in the spring. Punched his ticket to state, and I believe it was literally that night. Uh, he got into an accident, sustained some injuries to his leg, and he he's still on the mend. So, to my understanding, he's not going to be out in the fall. But Jace Quirin, I- intelligent kid, you know he he you know he w- without bragging or, or seeming weird or anything, he he likes almost every single one of my articles that I post on social media. Which means either he's probably reading them. From my understanding, he's an intelligent kid, and you know the injury bug sucks. But Jace Quirin, one of the kids that I- I'm hoping, for, obviously, makes a full recovery. And if I'm still here in town a year later, I, I, I'm interested to see what he looks like as a he's a, just going to be a junior next year, right? He's only he, a sophomore right now. Yeah, he, he was he's going into his sophomore year, huge loss, mm-hmm. and he's not even one of the kids I mentioned because we're not you know we're not expecting to have Jace yeah. this year. At, you know, as you said, this is a late April, early May injury, um, devastating injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I still have a pit in my stomach when I think about it. But you talk about a kid. This kid gets up every single morning, 5, 5.30, and gets a workout in on his own, mm-hmm. okay? A, you know, weights workout. Yeah. In his, on his own in his basement, okay? Let's, now let's talk about kicking-wise. The kid has a field goal uh, in his yard. And I did not know that that is cool. He lives, you know, right next to my brother-in-law, and, and I just, I'll never forget, my brother-in-law was like, who is this kid? He's out there all the time kicking. He's really good. And I, you know, I, and finally my brother-in-law got to know him a little bit. And, you know, Jace is just one of those kids that it's just hard to digest that something like that happens to a kid like Jace. And literally probably two days after the, the accident, he gets a, uh, he gets a message from the University of Arkansas special teams coordinator inviting him to this, you know, you know, special teams camp. He gets invited to these Coles kicking camps. And if, and if you're not familiar with the Coles kicking camp, it's like, the elitist of the elitist go to the coal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jace, like I said, he's only going to be a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to work ethic, perseverance, things like that, 
the, I have no GPA. Like Chase is smart as can be. He's an overall great kid. He that kid is in a, going to be an elite kicker, mm-hmm. and I still believe that because of his you know work ethic, his perseverance, and my um, bet is we he did still get, believes we, that we we did get some good news this week. So, um, and and it's it's kind of miraculous, and and it, it doesn't surprise me because the kid Jace is, but. He got some good news from the doctor this week. I won't go into details. Um, still not going to expect him this year, but things are looking good for his future. When you know when it comes to kicking, and you know, Jace is going to be still going to be a big part of our football team this year. He's going to. He's almost going to be like is, an assistant yeah. coach for us yeah. when it comes to kicking. Um, he was actually going to be our punter this year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to be a huge part of our program Absolutely. this year, even though he can't play. And, I, and, you know, he's a good kid, deserves uh, to get his opportunity. Let's focus on uh, this fall. Or, or I, I want to ask you one thing about the summer, and you and I talked about it privately before, but one thing that piqued my interest, and it kind of flew under the radar in this community a little bit, is you brought in former Kansas City Chiefs and Cleveland Browns offensive lineman Mitchell Swartz. Mitchell Swartz was the Iron Man of the league for a long time. I believe at one point he literally was. He had the most consecutive snaps played in the NFL. Uh, he was an all-pro offensive lineman. Uh, he protected Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl that he won. Uh, this is a guy who is was one of the very talented linemen in the league. Uh, he kind of he got bit by that same injury bug last year, and now he's I, I believe he's essentially retired. Uh, but y- Mitchell Schwartz is someone you brought in for a camp for an offensive line camp over the summer. You told me you felt like he he taught you guys a lot. What, what was that camp like? You said he was very hands-on. What's something you maybe learned about offensive line technique or improvement that you didn't know before as a coach that you took away from Mitchell Schwartz? Tell me about that experience. Well, you know, first and foremost, let's give credit to Coach Cato Barmiller and his wife, Dara Barmiller, for for bringing Coach Mitchell Schwartz in. They have a um, a family relationship. Um, hmm. You know, there's Dara has... Dara's sister is actually really good friends with Mitchell and his wife. Okay. So there's a connection there. So let's give, you know, all of the credit to, you know, Coach Bar Miller for uh, getting that to happen. I, I don't deserve any credit for that. I just kind of helped facilitate it and, and, and yeah. m- make it work. But, um, and then uh, number two, I did not make it public because I wanted to be all about the kids. I didn't want, you know, Billy Joe from out in the country in Parsons, who's a huge Chiefs fan, to show up and, you know, distract Mitchell Schwartz, asking for autographs. Yeah. And, you know, things of that nature. So I wanted I wanted it to be a sole focus on um, Mitchell Schwartz there for our kids and our kids only. And, you know, I did feel bad afterwards, you know, posting everything about, you know, Mitchell being in town. And people were like, well, I had no idea he was going to be there. Which that's the well, right approach, in my opinion. And I, and I did that for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and because, I, and you know, I, I, it was actually going to be an outdoors event. And I was going to let people know about two hours before it happened. However, the heat index was well over, you know, 105, 110 that day. So we moved everything indoors. Mm-hmm. And so, and therefore, I didn't invite anyone yeah. because everything was indoors. I didn't want to bring it, you know, anybody inside the school. Uh, if it was outside, I would have gave people about an hour, two hour notice, and that was it. Yeah. Just because I didn't want people flood, you know, mm-hmm. the practice field. But as far as you know, what we learned, he's a really smart offensive lineman. And the biggest thing I took away from it is not how big you are, it's not how strong you are. It's all about angles, it's all about leverage, and it's all about technique. 
and um, he showed some, you know, some some technique things with our kids, um, how to use our hands, how to get leverage, how to get angles, and you know, it's, you don't have to be the biggest guy in the room. You don't have to be the biggest guy on the football field to be um, a, a solid player, a solid offensive lineman, a solid defensive lineman, because you know he he wasn't a huge you know standout or a huge recruit coming out of high school. He worked for everything he got. And still, once he got to the NFL, he was so underrated. Um, it, it was absolutely insane how underrated he was after he got traded from, you know, Cleveland to the Browns. And, you know, Chiefs fans know first and foremost, he was the backbone to that Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. And without Mitchell Schwartz, I don't believe we won a Super Bowl. Um, it's weak because we're both big Chiefs fans. Absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, one thing before we go to a break, do you see a lot of what Mitchell taught still? Being practiced by our team, did that is that resonating now that we're in the fall? I do, I do, and I actually, you know, I thought about that this morning going over a film from last night. I our kids are doing a much better job of using their hands. We got to, we still got to do a significantly better job. But you know, as far as uh, you know, how we're getting leverage on our guys, what, where are we stepping out with our first step, where are we stepping out with our second step, you know, it's all about those things. And I really noticed it with uh, uh, Zach Cowan. Malik Ferguson, those two really stood out. Mm-hmm. And those were the two that were most involved in that camp. Um, so I, I really, I thought those two last night were by far two best offensive linemen. So, uh, and Cole Manners. Cole mm-hmm. Manners was another one that was at Mitchell Schwartz. Cole Manners looked good last night. And, you know, those are the kids that are buying into what we're trying to establish on the line and, you know, D line. And um, I'm, I'm proud of those guys. Uh, well, hey, let's go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little more Parsons football. Uh, Jeff Scheibe, head coach of the Parsons Vikings, here in the building, here on the War Room in KLKC. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back here on the War Room here on KLKC. I'm your host, Sean Fry. I got Parsons, Hi- Parsons Vikings head football coach Jeff Scheibe here in studio with me. We were talking about how you're trying to fix the offensive line uh, and just the line in general and, and going into year two. Uh, Jeff, one thing I wanted to kind of ask you and get your thoughts on, and I basically asked this question before, but I want to see where you're at in the process and maybe what what you have collectively learned. Uh, it, it's no secret that over the last decade, Parsons has basically struggled in football. They had one winning season, which was your first year as a coordinator with the program. Uh, Kurt Freeze's first of only two years as the, as the head coach. They won eight games, made a deep playoff run. We saw what this community is capable of doing on the football field not too long ago, but the honest Truth of that is that season was an outlier. Every other season has not quite looked like that. Uh, I know you want to improve on that. You want Parsons to be a sustainably successful football program. Entering year two, what have you learned about what it takes to get Parsons there? And one thing I I would say to the public and and anybody is it's not going to happen overnight. This is a multi-year process to get, go, go from a team that wins two to three games a year to go to a team that wins six to you know five, six, seven games a year, but every year consistently. What have you learned about what it takes to get Parsons to that to that point? Well, I mean, you know, last year was pretty humbling. You know, the year before that was humbling, obviously. Um, and that was a two-win season. Two, year, yeah, in, 2018. In, you know, I. We step in with a talented squad and win eight games. And then you, you, you take a step back and then you win two. That was humbling for sure. Mm-hmm. Last year was extremely humbling as well. 
You still and won three games, made the playoffs, took a you took a step in the right direction. It was a little it was a little bit of a roller coaster ride, you know, mm-hmm. along the way. And I think the biggest thing I learned is, you know, I still remember you coming over to my house doing an interview and I was overconfident. I was kind of cocky and um we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. You know, we're gonna, our offensive line is gonna, you know, be tough, physical. We're gonna fire off the ball and hit people. Our D line is gonna get off the line of scrimmage and make plays and you know, mm-hmm. stuff holes our linebackers to come at field and, and make tackles. That did not happen. And I, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is sometimes you can't just sit there and say we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. We, we, okay, how do we make that happen instead mm-hmm. of sitting there just you know sit there and and, and say we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. So. You know, a lot of soul searching in the offseason. Uh, what, what's our best defensive philosophy to make those things happen? What's our best offensive philosophy to... Um, I think I've learned the hard way the last couple of years that you you can't... Um, you can't sustain success relying on just throwing the football every down. And I listen, I'm a quarterback. I love to throw the pigskin. But we have to be able to run the football. And whether that's – there was a couple games last year, you know, Prairie View especially, where they got the ball first, ran it down, scored 7 nothing. We get the ball, our first offensive snap. The snap goes over the quarterback's head. They recover it on the two-yard line. We run off one offensive play, and we're down 14 to nothing. It's really hard to then go back and say, I want to run the football after – you yeah. run one offensive play and you're down fourteen. Because you're trying to you're trying to chase. And that's, so now that's we're chasing. We did a lot of chasing last year. I felt like we had a good running back last year, Yusuf Kendrick. Um, but you know, the way the games went last year, we got behind fast a lot of games last year, and and then we put a lot of catch up. How do you but, prevent? How do you prevent that as a coach? Outside of you know, what what are some tactics to avoid that? I mean, obviously that sounds like a stupid question, but is it almost literally as simple as if you win the coin toss, are you just going to take I guess the ball? I'm going to have to stop deferring, Sean. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to start saying, you know, if we win the coin toss, let's get the damn ball. Um, is, is there is there value in that, do you think? I Don't ask Kurt that because I always told Kurt, I said, Kurt, if we win the toss, let's take the damn ball. But he said, no, we're going to. We're gonna Kurt s- Freeze will defer until, <laughs> until the ice age he comes said, back. No, we're going to set the tone early on defense and then we're going to get the ball after half. No, I'm just messing, but. I no, it, I mean we gotta whether you get the ball or whether you're on defense first, we just gotta come out ready to play. And mm-hmm. I do, I do like even though we only have you know we have ten seniors. There's 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 a couple seniors that you know they're coming out for football the first you know first time. There's an, also another senior that didn't play last year. So realistically, we got seven or eight seniors that have experience. However, those seven or eight seniors are very experienced and they love football. And that's what I love about this senior class is, you know, I, they, they sometimes became the leaders on the field last year when maybe some of our other guys checked out a little bit soon when we were down 14 nothing as Prairie View. Mm-hmm. Those, those, those juniors last year tried to step up and make plays. And I think, I think overall... Um, the direction of the program, I think we got kids right now that love the sport of football, and that's something maybe that that we need. Um, I love a three sport athlete. Don't get me wrong, I love three sport athletes. I was a three sport athlete myself. 
Mm-hmm. But a lot of our seniors, they only play football. You know, you know, Zach Cowan and Hunter Brown will play basketball, but you know, football is their first love. Football is football is their game. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. You know, they haven't they haven't seen a lot of varsity minutes on the basketball court because there's been a lot of talent in front of them. Yeah. But as far as like the game of football, their football is the senior sports sport. There's the senior class of sport, and I I can't remember when. Parsons had a class that was just all about football. There were enough guys on that 2018 class that were like sure, that. Sure, I mean, primarily was. Gage Freeze, honestly. You know, Patch Load Holes. Joel, yeah. Joel Shivey was a basketball player, though. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a three-sport athlete. Luke Wagamont. Yep. Um, Luke Wagamont was a baseball guy, I think, at heart. But, yeah, Nolan Prell was a baseball guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, there hasn't really been a class that's just been all about football. And there's also some juniors and sophomores that are all about football. They love the game. Mm-hmm. But all that being said, we have to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And we're already battling injury bug. You know, it's just I, I, I want to play. And I, I promise you I'm not the coach that will come out here and say I'm, I'm making excuses. But last year, you know, we started the first game without Matt Ray, Julius Smith-Reese, Ricky Ellis, Gavin Salyers. Those are four stars we had on our depth chart going in yeah. on our defense. Not to mention Chris Beard transferred. That's another starter. Mm-hmm. Um, Logan Deroney, yeah. another starter. We had six guys that was on our starting defensive depth chart in June that were not available week one. Mm-hmm. And that hurt. And I, I don't want to go through that situation again. You go back two years ago, Daquan Johnson's out, Anthony Posers out. Let's play with a full, full deck of cards. I seriously wonder what... 2019 would have looked like had you had Anthony Poser or Daquan Johnson. I mean, Daquan Johnson goes without saying, but Anthony Poser I think would have made a difference on that. Anthony Poser is a nice football player. Yeah, he was very nice football player. All I know is that 2018 year, if you know, it, yes, was Anthony Poser going to give was Anthony Poser going to give you 50 yards on a catch? Probably not. If you needed six, that ball was yeah, fine. He, st- he started but, on that. 2018 team. Yeah. If you needed six, that ball was going to Posier. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, long story short, I, I like the way our program is heading. You know, we finally got, you know, some things the way we want to run in the weight room, the off-season program, the summer program, um, our coaching staff. I, I really, really like our coaching staff. I got I got a bunch of good assistant coaches, and, I you mm-hmm. know, I love those guys to death. Lots of intensity, lots of passion. We're all in our 30s. Yeah. Um, Coach Dumas is in his late 20s, but the rest of us are in our 30s. <laughs> and we love the game of football. And, you know, I think that's rubbing off on the kids. Dumas is in his mid-20s, by the way. Um, late 20s now. <laughs> uh, last thing before we got to head out. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about. I didn't warn you about this pre-show, so brace for impact. You guys are going to have, I don't know, I, I still can't quite remember when football teams in, in your ADs and administrations get together to set the football schedule for the next two years after this season. No comment. <laughs> Give me something. <laughs> I'm not asking, I'm not asking, will it happen? I'm going to ask, do you think it should or would it, could it happen? Will Parsons, will the Parsons and can the, do you want Parsons to play Lebec County again? Absolutely. Why is that? <laughs> no I mean, comment. I, you're ridiculous. <laughs> I played in the game for four, you know, four years, and I I know how much that game means to everyone, you know, in this community, everyone in Altamont, everybody in Lebec County. It's a fun game. It's an awesome rival. We need we need the football game back between Parsons and Lebec County, and I think fans will be excited about the future 
There we go. That'll do it for the War Room here this week. Uh, Coach Jeff Scheibe, thank you for coming in. Obviously excited for another football season. Uh, I think it'll be a good litmus test that Jamboree you're going to. You're going to see Humboldt, Burlington, and Chanute. Those are three very quality programs, uh, and and it'll be a good litmus test early. Uh, You know, this season, obviously, it's going to be wide open for everybody. I'm very interested to see what the district looks like. Uh, I I know probably Columbus is that top dog, and I don't think you disagree with that, do you? I, you know, I I, don't disagree with you, and I think Columbus is the top dog in the area. Columbus and Frontenac are the two best teams in Southeast Kansas with, you know, Pittsburgh right there, too. Not going to get an argument from me out of that. That'll do it here on the War Room this week. Uh, thanks again to Jeff Shivey for coming in, uh, gracing us with his precious time, and we all know that how busy football coaches are at this point in the year. Uh, good luck to everybody starting their fall sports. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, congratulations to the Lebet Cardinals volleyball program. I know it's just two wins, and, you know, it's not parade time just yet. But, to, uh, I mean, you can speak to this. To, to win two games after you only won one last year, to win two on your opening day, that's got to feel good. Good start. That's a good start. Uh, everybody, stay safe. God bless. Get vaccinated.